1: Live from wherever you happen to be, it's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. And now, here's your host, curator of the hall, Jamie Dew.
2: Oh boy. Oh boy. I uh, am looking out at the blue sky and it's a gorgeous day here at the hall But nevertheless, would you please wipe your feet before you walk into these uh, hallowed grounds, as it were. How are you doing? My name is Jamie Dew. I am your host and curator of the SNL Hall of Fame. And uh, week over week, typically what we do is we sit with a guest and we discuss a nominee. This week, however, as was the case last week, we're doing things a little differently because Voting is now open and there are no more nominees to nominate. So what I've done is I've assembled a round table of pundits, SNL pundits. In fact, this group of SNL pundits comes to us from the SNL after party, which you can find at SNL podcast on Twitter and uh, any of the other socials. So I was really excited to welcome back uh, John Murray, who nominated Tina Fey back when, and his uh, compatriots, Catherine Coleman, who is host of the SNL After Party, and regular contributor to the SNL After Party is Steve Finn. So if you've ever listened to the SNL After Party, it's a great uh, analysis and take apart of each episode typically comes out on the Monday following, uh, following a new episode, and you know they do really great work over there. So give them a listen if you haven't already. I'm excited to get right into things because these three are going to take us through their picks for the SNL Hall of Fame. So if you have not voted yet, you can listen to how difficult the time they had selecting, negotiating, maneuvering their picks to try and, you know, satiate their own, you know, goals while simultaneously satisfying the criteria that is the voting process at the SNL Hall of Fame. But before we get into the show, I made mention a moment ago that some of you may not have voted yet. What's going on? Get voting. I can't understand this. Voting has been open since the, goodness gracious, since the 25th of April, and it's only going to be open until May 20th. And then it shuts down at 1159 on May 20th. You can uh, make your votes by uh, checking out any of the socials at SNLHOF, or uh, you can... Go to SNLHOF.com, click on the Vote tab, and vote right from there. Anyway, we've got a roundtable to get to. I'm very excited. John Murray, Catherine Coleman, Steve Finn, we got a great show for you. Stick around. have quite an assemblage of pundits today. So I'm really excited to introduce them to you all. Uh, Because what we are doing is we are going to have this group actually reveal their SNL Hall of Fame ballot in this episode. So it should be pretty great. And doing that with me, I've got Catherine Coleman. How are you doing, Catherine?
0: I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here and talk about my, my favorites. Excellent.
2: Yes. Um, and and I'm excited to hear who your favorites are. So this should be really great. And uh, below you in the Brady Bunch uh, architecture here, we have John, <laughs> Mr. John Murray. How are you doing, John?
3: Very good. Uh, glad to be back with you. We had you up on our show not too long ago. It's nice to be able to pop into your neck of the woods.
2: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And Steve, we have Steve Finn here joining us as well. How are you doing tonight?
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm doing well. It's more beautiful in here than I could have imagined. You got to give me the number of the guy who polishes this place because it is pristine.
2: He's 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 exclusive. I'm going to tell you that <laughs> okay. you, you'll never be able to get him. <laughs> I tried. I tried.
0: It, it's Lorne Michaels himself.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what we are going to do tonight is we are going to run through your SNL Hall of Fame ballots. We're going to do that in uh, a clockwise order. So we'll start with Catherine. Then we'll go and uh, when she announces her first nominee. I'll check in with the other two pundits to see if they have anything that they would like to say, or if that person is in fact on their ballot as well. So that way we can keep the conversation neat and tidy. And um, yeah, I think we could pretty much kick it into high gear now. There's just one question that I have to ask before we begin. And that is, you were allotted 15 votes or up to 15 votes. And I'm curious where you landed with that if you ended up using all 15 or if you used none (laughs) or or some number in between uh catherine how did you fare
0: i'm still as we begin this recording on the fence with one but i believe i'm going to use 12 votes
2: oh wow okay
0: (laughs) um just and just for no specific reason at all whatsoever uh just i went through the list i was like i feel passionate about this one this one this one uh, there were a few where I was like, oh, I mean, I could see it. I, I think they probably should be in there, but I'm not personally as passionate about it, you know? So I was right. like, do I give them a vote or not? And on some of them I landed no, some of them I landed yes. So that oh, should be I'm
2: excited to hear what you've got for us. This is good. <laughs> well played. <laughs> John, how about you?
3: So when I went over your list originally, I, I ran through it and there were 10 locks, like Yes, absolutely. No question. And I'm leaving myself open to being swayed a little bit. So if, if Catherine or Steve can inspire me, then I might be able to get behind some of their choices. Um, but we're, we're definitely in the double digits. Not sure if I'm going to get quite to 15.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Steve, how about you? What was your
1: strategy going in? Oh man. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, (laughs) if you've ever been poor, you know, (laughs) not knowing where you're going to get your next meal, I guess it just sticks with you for the rest of your life. Cause like I had 15, I was going to use 15. I wasn't going to waste anything. <laughs> That's right. Uh, no
2: crumbs on the table.
1: No the crumbs. Board. Yeah. Everything's getting used. That's right. Uh, I did slow down. I'll admit, you know, once I got into the double digits, those last few check marks were, you know, I had to make a little bit of an argument for them in my head uh, to get me there, but Hey, Hey, I think everybody on this list, whether I picked them or not, there is an argument for it. So I felt my 15 check marks were well spent.
2: Good. Okay. Well, let's get right to it then. Catherine, if you want to kick this show off, uh, the okay. official, the formal part of the show, as as it were, anyway, um, let's hear what you've got.
0: All right. I'm going I'm going to come in because the thing that is interesting here. And this is only audio, so people may not see how significantly younger I am than everyone <laughs> by at least 40 years. Uh, 40? <laughs> no. uh, I believe I am the youngest person here. Not, not significantly, but enough that I do think I am of a slightly different generation. So I think that'll be an interesting way to color these takes. So with that said, my first vote is going to go to the Lonely Island as, uh, you know, writers. Of course, we also had a, you know, they were, they did a little of everything, really, but uh, I think that they revolutionized SNL. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. uh, Because I remember being in high school, and this was, so this was like 2005 to 2009. And I grew up in Alabama, and we have TVs there, despite what you may have heard. (laughs) uh, But people weren't really uh, talking about SNL a lot. Like the people in my high school weren't diehard SNL fans. it hadn't, you know. It, it I think the show at that time was maybe struggling to break into younger viewers, and then all of a sudden, come these digital shorts, and everyone was sending them to each other. People were quoting them all the time, and so it just seemed like out of the woodwork came SNL into the consciousness of my generation and my you know my friends. Uh, so like I'm on a boat, you know. I know they they kind of started with Lazy Sunday, but on a boat was really the first viral video i felt like i was part of um it was just unavoidable everyone knew it everyone they were like i feel like there were parodies of a parody video um so that just i think that got the attention of people my age and we were suddenly eager to see what was going to happen next week what were they going to do who were they going to bring on like who was you know they had akon who's next you know is t-pain going to come on um and and we, and we got it and we related to it. And I think that just really ushered in a new era. And since then, we've seen the rise of pre-tapes uh, to the point where now on the show, they have like two or three film units working on these every week. We've seen production values skyrocket. And I think all of that started and came from The Lonely Island. And so I think their influence is just incredible.
2: Absolutely. I mean, really changed the paradigm, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, went from... I mean there there's always been video elements or or film elements, but um to to make it just part of the show's DNA now yeah uh, you you would never you know, I just watched this week's episode and you know please uh please don't destroy is you know absolutely carrying that baton so mm-hmm. uh, it's it's been really interesting to watch John, uh Steve, either you have the Lonely Island on your ballots?
3: There's a check mark there for me. So I, I think this might be one of the situations where they weren't, but I, I think I can get behind everything Catherine said. Um, wow. What's interesting is like, I think I wrote them off because they didn't come in as traditional writers, right? Like it's, it's not like we remember them for all their brilliant recurring characters at the update desk or whatever. It, it's not like they were doing traditional SNL fair. And I wonder if that maybe biased me a little bit because yeah, when you think about it, the show had never done like gonzo filmmaking, like in the week, you know, we're going to start on Monday with everyone else and have something ready to go. Uh, and that, that takes a, a prowess, not just in the writing, but in, in the entire production process that, uh, wouldn't be fair to overlook. So yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm thumbs up on that. Yeah.
1: You know, influencer, it's not like (laughs) pre tapes and, and short films weren't part of, SNL's uh history before the lonely island but I think the lonely island that is when video shorts started to become hip and cool cuz yes we had you know we had some Albert Brooks we had some Robert Smigel but these guys are a little bit dorky you know these <laughs> they were a little bit older than the cast it was the cast in the bell bottoms and the cool mm-hmm. vests back in the day that was the hip portion of the show I think the Lonely Island is where it started to flip, and the pre-tapes is where, you know, you know this is what YouTube is taking off, and and that style of content consumption became the norm. You know, and they were right there to take advantage of it. So yeah, Excellent. I think they re, yeah they changed a lot with, with what they did.
2: So there's three more votes for The Lonely Island. Interesting. Yeah. All right, John, you're
3: up. All right. Well. I think I have to start with Tina Fey because I've already made the case for Tina Fey. That was the episode that we did back in the day. Yeah. Um, so she's going to come up sooner or later, might as well get her out of the way. Um, female head writer right there. I mean, that's, that is a, a very small club to belong to, um, at a time when it was not the norm at the show for, uh, a woman writer to ascend to that level. Uh, On top of that, she kind of set the template in many ways for what modern SNL is, Um, not just in how open it is now to comedy of different sensibilities, whereas the criticism for the first 25 years was frat boys and uh, a certain kind of lowbrow humor that didn't really embrace what the women writers could bring. She was kind of the one that maybe she stood on the shoulders of, of some brilliant writers before her, but she was the one that just finally kind of got over that fence. Um, and on top of it, uh, she was kind of the sea change in the show between what I think is like truly vintagey compared to what's considered more modern SNL and Part of that is the, her writing influence and also um, sort of how her weekend update sort of realigned what that is and how the head writer is now uh, all but a shoe in as an anchor on that. Like that, that was something that uh, she kind of trailblazed in a way. So there's, there's a lot that as a writer she brought to the show, obviously, and just as one of the luminaries in the, the SNL sphere um you know that changed the show in many ways and just was the face and representative of the show i don't think tina fey can can be overlooked
2: wow yeah that's uh that's a pretty good argument um did Catherine or steve have tina fey on their ballots?
3: <laughs> no, you're
0: hanging me of out. Of course, to oh. no, of course I did. <laughs> I'm like I, Catherine. I, you and Tina are BFF. <laughs> me and T- me and Tina have run-ins uh, frequently uh, on planes, on trains, and automobiles. Uh, but uh, you know, I I, I thought about casting my vote for Tina first, but I didn't want to steal your thunder, John. Uh, she's she's my comedy idol. I think she's one of the funniest writers of all time. And like you said, her mark is just undeniable as the first female head writer, even because to me, her legacy isn't even about any individual one sketch that she wrote. But like you said, that mark that she left, you know, there's that famous story about the Kotex Classic sketch, where Paula Pell had been, I think it was Paula Pell had been pitching this for years, and none of the men in the male producers, male head writers got it. And all it took was one other woman to be in the room and say, Oh, no, I get that. That's funny. Trust me, people will like it. And it became a classic. And I think she just really paved the way and carved out that space for women on the show. And then again, when I was in middle school, high school was when Mean Girls came out. And that just that was the definitive comedy movie of my generation. So I think a lot of people my age when they think comedy, when they think SNL, Tina Fey is going to be one of the first people that comes to mind. Steve,
2: did you have her on your list as well? I did ah. for all so you were the, really playing coy there,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but all of these uh for all the reasons that have been said, you know she's uh she's set a president, you know by being the first female head writer uh you know just what that has done alone is is you know a reason to put uh put her down as a vote. I just love the, the quality of every part of her work, even if it's just a simple throwaway joke, there's as much care and thought put into it as something that takes center stage. And that quality of work just, it, uh, yeah, it it goes through everything she does. I don't know if she's ever made anything I didn't like. And yeah, that consistency is, is pretty crazy. Like she is the the Smiths of comedians when it comes to, (laughs) (laughs) uh, quality throughout her career.
2: She also hates Johnny Marr as well. So
1: that's yeah. (laughs) Now you tell me that after I compare it to the Smiths.
2: Well, I'm just thinking that she's, uh, she's Morrissey, you know, like (laughs) anyway. uh, All right. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's really tough for some of these other categories uh, to get recognition. So I'm really pleased to see you guys go right to a writer, you know, pretty much right off the bat. Uh, both the Lonely Island and Tina Fey. Um, it, it just seems as though uh, the musical guest category and the writer category and the and the host category are sometimes. Tougher for people to wrap their heads around. But so far, like I say, you guys are two for two. And that's really interesting. Um, uh, it, 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 I think it says something about the the angle that you guys are approaching here. And it'll be interesting to see how this plays out.
3: Well, you brought on a comedy writer. You also brought on, you know, seasoned improv vet in Steve. And me, who's just enthusiastic about everything. I, I think this is what you're going to get tonight. That's kind of our, our niche a little bit. So
2: Excellent. Yeah. I'm looking forward then.
3: That's our All speed. Right.
2: Steve. Hit me.
1: <clears throat> let's let's take something from the host category. All right. A fellow Steve by the name of ah, Martin. Yes. Uh I had to give him an accolade because hey, I mean, what uh former host has been confused more often to be a cast member than Steve mm. Martin? Right, It's 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 like You see it in like the trivia section of the show It's like yeah. did you know Steve Martin Wasn't actually a cast member You just think that <laughs> It's yeah it's, it, and it's easy to see why people make that mistake You know you, you think of the Two wild and crazy guys you think of King Tut There's so much Of SNL's History these you know These milestone Moments that You just can't imagine without him and just his style of comedy and, and you know, everything he's brought to the show, I, I feel like his contribution changed the show for the good, you know, forever. And even as, you know, the reasons the host has slowed down, I mean, he's, he's pretty up there in terms of regular cameos. Uh, he's just one of those friends of the shows that, you know, You're always happy to see him, but you're never surprised. Huh? Steve Byrne on SNL. Who would have thought? (laughs) You know, nobody ever says that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And just talk about somebody that has just spanned the show as well, right? Like, I mean, uh, other than the Ebersol and Dominion era – like I mean, he's been omnipresent. Like I think he hosted like eight times with the ori- in the original five seasons, and he's then been on
0: twice this season. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like bananas.
2: <laughs> so I'm guessing, I'm guessing we're going to see another appearance of Steve Martin on another ballot here. But you guys can solidify that for me, Catherine, John.
3: He he's certainly on mine. Uh, but Catherine, if if uh, if you're on board, make your case first. Let me just sweep up.
0: Oh, oh no! He's definitely on mine. Uh, but Steve literally stole everything I was yeah. going to say about. Yeah, everyone thinks he was a cast member. Uh, I think the one thing Steve didn't say was he was the original five time. He was the first five timer, right?
3: No. Well, they did. They did the sketch for Tom Hanks originally, but it they'd had five timers prior to that, mm-hmm. but they didn't make it. It didn't occur it to didn't them to turn thing. it into a goof until later. Yeah. But he 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 him and Buck Henry were probably yeah the first one
0: timer. Something
2: it's one of the two yeah. for sure.
0: But yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a discussion of comedy in general without Steve Martin. And I think SNL is a big part of that. So yeah, he's a shoe in
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree.
3: Yeah. The only, the only thing that I think about Steve Martin that maybe hasn't already been covered, cause we don't want to be, you know, retreading uh, someone else's uh, arguments here is when the show started out, it blew up pretty quick. Like the, the cast caught on and there, it, it was a phenomenon, but It's staying power wasn't guaranteed just because they had a really hot first season. It really became who was going to pop in, who were these, um, um, go to hosts that were quickly becoming regulars who you could always sort of like count on to, to be a go-to host every season. That tradition started very early with the show. And it's part of the reason why sort of like week after week, people got very comfortable tuning in because they knew that these friends of the show were going to be popping in, uh, at various times. And you just kind of started to know, you know, who the friends of the show were and that, that, um, stable of go-to talent. Uh, it it was there very early on and he was really the go-to very early on because he already had a deep bench of comedy that he was willing to bring into the show too, and had such a unique voice that it was a perfect compliment to the cast. You know, they, they were zany in their own way, but he had his patented thing that the world had already embraced. So he was just guaranteed laughs, And, uh, yeah, just, just someone that you would hope would pop in when you watched SNL in the early days. At least I assume that I wasn't alive in the seventies, but, uh, the way I understand it is, is you, you, this is what people were looking for. They wanted the killer cast, but they wanted people to come and play with the cast that were already tried and true. And that's, that's what Steve Martin was. Excellent.
2: Well, you didn't, you didn't miss much in the six years of the seventies that I enjoyed. So, uh, um, Okay, where where are we at here in terms of we're back to Catherine, right? In terms of uh next pick?
0: Oh wow, back yeah. to me already. Yeah. Well, who do I want to go with? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to go cast my vote for Melissa McCarthy as a host.
2: Interesting. All right, let's hear this.
0: Yeah. Um I you know, I would actually claim Melissa McCarthy is like the modern Chris Farley. Uh, Not in the sense, it's not to say that all like plus size performers have this one category, one niche they can fill. But I think that they do rely, they both are like very physical comedians. uh, And they both like kind of making fun of themselves is kind of entwined in what they do, right? Uh, So I just think she had such a big moment when I was in college, like after Bridesmaids came out and she, that's when she really started appearing on the show, like almost every season, you know, in a row right there. And I couldn't get enough of her, you know, pizza business is one of my all time favorite sketches uh, because of what she brought to it. Like I don't think the writing of pizza business is the most brilliant piece of sketch comedy we've ever seen, but her performance is one of the best, sketch comedy performances I've ever seen. And there there's bits in that that you cannot convince me were not improvised at some point in the week. Like, I'm not saying she improvised them live on Saturday, but in rehearsal, I think she found the fun thing that they did with the pins. And I think that's something that someone like her brings to the table when they host that just makes her such a really unique person to have in the room, just bringing their own thing. And she just has such a natural ability as a performer to just hunt out those laughs and do anything to get them. And then, you know, the Sean Spicer impression was iconic. I'll never forget the first time that podium drove into the crowd. So yeah, (laughs) Melissa McCarthy, big fan.
2: Yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, she is somebody who, who has also become, you know, a friend of the show, I would say at this point. If she's in New York, there's a chance. You know, if there's a chance, she might show up. And that's always fun, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, John and Steve, does Melissa McCarthy appear on your ballots?
3: She does appear on mine.
2: Oh,
1: that's I don't great. have her. I thought I, I did, and now I'm that's looking okay. at it. She's
3: getting plenty of love tonight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I thought I did, and now I realize that the checkmark I thought I was seeing was just the why in McCarthy. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, I if there's a, an argument to, to vote for her, it's too late for me. I mean, I, I could change my mind possibly, but I'm just going to stick with what I have. But I will yeah. say that Melissa McCarthy, she pretty much started that whole trend of celebrity cameos to play people of, of the – Trump administration Mm. when you think about it you know that was what you heard every week who's going to play this person who's going to play Steve Bannon that became a thing and it never was a thing you just say okay which cast member is going to do it and now it's like which famous actor or actress is going to come in to do this and she was the start of that trend which probably gave SNL the best ratings uh it's had in 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 quite a while. So that's the argument to make if you were to be one of the people who voted for her, which is not (laughs) me.
2: (laughs) So your, your ballot though, wasn't big enough to, to put her on and that's, and that's fine. Uh, I I think, you know, um, there's, there's multiple years that these people are going to appear on the ballot if they don't make it this year. So don't feel too bad. (laughs) Get her next year. (laughs) That's right. But she's got two thirds of this panel, so mm-hmm. she, would, she, be, she right. would be in the she would be in the hall of fame under this uh panel format. So John, do you have anything you want to add
3: or uh just that um I think my vote for Melissa McCarthy has a lot more to do with me just having been uh, a fan of hers for twenty years. Um I am a closet Gilmore Girls Superstan. Um mm-hmm. that they're I'm, there's no exaggeration here. I've, I've watched the show end to end multiple times. It's infinitely quotable. I love it. And, um, she obviously was a big part of that show, but what was interesting is, um, liking her from that show. I knew a little bit of her background cause she came through groundlings and, uh, there was a bit of tragedy there because, uh, she, she came out, she got the role on Gilmore girls. It was a good role. Then she didn't have a whole lot to do immediately after that. And there was a bit of a lull in her career. And I actually remember back in the day feeling bad, like she was so talented and, and it was such a charming role that she played on Gilmore girls and everyone who knew her from the groundling said that she was the girl, like she, she had it. And for whatever reason, it just didn't connect with SNL or, or some other like comedy institution that she could come up and, and really like show her brilliance. She just, for whatever reason, the, the, the stars didn't align for her that way. Um, and then obviously bridesmaids happened and, uh, the stars finally aligned for her. And I just really remember enjoying that whole era of watching her finally come into her own and become a household name and get the accolade she deserved as a comedic performer, because I'd always heard these whispers of the people that had been with her in, in groundlings that just, N- could never figure out why, why she never got that, that opportunity. Cause she was so, so good and so well-liked and, uh, just nice to see it come together. And it's nice that SNL could be, um, the platform, you know, the place where she really could thrive and, uh, show us what she, she could really bring. And it was nice to see, and I like her and that's all.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's an alternate, there's an alternate dimension where she's, Uh, she becomes not ready for primetime player. Like, for Sure. Absolutely. Uh, Like she's got the chops. She's amazing. Uh, The physicality is, you know, like Catherine was saying is, you know, top shelf. Uh, The Farley comparison is definitely um, noted. Uh, Like, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I hadn't, hadn't considered that at all. So yeah, that's really great. Melissa McCarthy. All right. Uh, John,
3: who have you got Mm -hmm. next? Are we allowed to bounce around categories as we see of fit? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we jump into the cast member category? Sure. And I'm going with Eddie Murphy. I, I think that this, I, I, I just don't see any way around it. Eddie Murphy is the, in many ways, is the reason why we still have SNL today. Sure. He was uh, uh, a late hire in the Gene Domanian era but his talent was undeniable. He wasn't really getting the respect and love he deserved, uh, when he initially joined the show, but that quickly changed under Ebersol, and he was allowed to thrive at the show created numerous, uh, you know, uh, pop culture moments, you know, that the world embraced his characters and the antics they got up to and the occasional assassination attempts. It was just, (laughs) it was the Eddie Murphy show for, for many years on SNL and, uh, there hasn't been anyone else since that I think was as crucial to the show's survival as his was and, and getting it back on its feet during a turbulent era, it needed a star and he was that star. He played that role and it's why we have the show and (laughs) how, you know, how many angles do you need to hit it? Eddie Murphy, he's a star.
2: Absolutely. Somebody else chime in. Sort of (laughs) forced. Yeah. (laughs) Anybody else have them on their ballot?
1: I do. <laughs> you know, it's, it's. I think his uh, rocky start on SNL just goes to show that he was too good to fail. You know, Gene D'Amanian likes to take credit for discovering Eddie Murphy, but she pretty much had to be talked into hiring him. And even then, you know, she got in the way of him doing very much on the show while she was in charge, so i think I like to think that you know if she got her way and never hired Eddie, Eddie Murphy still would have led he still would have somehow gotten to like you know doing raw and and uh the clumps, yeah, that <laughs> we still would have gotten Eddie Murphy because he's just such a powerhouse of talent. But uh, here we are, you know, with uh, him saving SNL because he was just too good to be held down, and he rose above, you know, everything when like the top people didn't believe in him. And it's it's a great story of like if if you're as good as Eddie Murphy, you're you're gonna you're gonna make your way.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Right, the cream rises to the top for sure. <laughs> He's the cream.
0: Yeah, <laughs> for the sake of, th- of throwing in a little drama, I'll say that Eddie Murphy. I was a little on the fence about. All right, let me tell you, let me tell you why because I know that's a hot take. He's so big, and his career has been so massive. It almost it almost eclipses his time at SNL. Mm-hmm. It's like I feel like he's such a big thing. You just forget that that's where he started. But nonetheless, he started there, and had this has had this crazy career and had so many breakout amazing moments. I did end up putting him on my ballot, but oh, I, I I briefly considered not, just for funsies.
1: <laughs> for fun. yeah,
0: it is. I, I mean, just to piss off John.
2: <laughs> the context is totally is totally lost on me in in, in a sense. Like like you're 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 right because. How many active cast members could host the show? Like, I, I, I mean, or have hosted the show? One, and that's just, but that's just really far out. Like that, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I understand it was, you know, a scheduling conflict and everything like that. But, um, but still, he hosted the show. And you know, when 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 John said the Eddie Murphy show. He wasn't kidding to a certain degree. Now, there were a lot of other talented cast members and some may make it to the Hall of Fame at all, but may make it to the Hall of Fame. We, we don't know. But certainly the light shone brightest on Eddie Murphy, for sure. So, Steve, who have you got next?
1: Oh, allow me to check, sir. <laughs> we haven't done a musical guest yet, have we? No. Nope. Well, why don't we do one? All right. Two, three, four. I threw down Prince and it wasn't one of my first choices, but I was, I was pretty light on a musical guest, to be honest. If I could spoil it a bit, I've picked two out of what's here on this list. Prince being one of them. Uh, And it's not even because like, he's had a huge contribution to the show. It's just that when he has, when he's been on the show, it, it, It has an impact that is hard to deny. It's certainly more extreme than most musical guests. I mean, who else can you think? And Catherine, let me finish. Who else can you think that that can convince them to change the whole format of the show so he could play a big medley in the beginning or or in the middle? You know, like that's it's just not what they do, And, and they'll do it for Prince because he's. Prince. He's such a institution, right? Yeah. And I think yeah, it's not Prince himself. This is weird cuz I don't think it's Prince who deserves uh the Hall of Fame, but I think it deserves a vote just the idea of his relationship with SNL because SNL has done so well <laughs> catering to his ego and you know, <laughs> you know, he's an eccentric they've been in the business long enough to know how to deal with people like this. And, you know, I mean, I lined up outside of Massey hall for a print show that never happened because he just wasn't feeling it. Like, oh, wow, like I've seen pictures, like the stage was set up. was ready to go. I was in line, ready to go in and watch the show. And he was just like, nah, it's dead. Let's not do it. <laughs> so like just the fact that SNL could like reliably get him to perform on the show. Like they must be, biting their nails up until he actually walks on that stage. Cause he never, you know, he might say, you know, Mercury's in retrograde uh, grade. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to perform like that. That must be a fear they have, but yeah, I think you, I think, uh, I think you get why I voted for him.
2: I think, I think he's culturally significant. He, I mean, he, we, we saw, We saw him come of age on the show from that first performance in 1980 or 1979, I forget when it was, I want to say 1980, um, all the way to the legend, the stories of him playing the 40th. And frankly, how many other musical guests have passed away on, you know, after performing on SNL and have had a show dedicated to them? Like there is a Prince memorial episode, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that just doesn't happen. Um, so I, I think he, he is certainly in the friend of SNL category and, uh, I think it's a great pick. I'm curious if he shows up on any other ballot. So
3: he does show up on mine, but not because I have anything, you know, exciting to add to the conversation about him other than you can't deny Prince is in the, absolute upper echelons of you know uh, musical gods um and you know has a history with the show that is unique in some ways in you know how steve laid it out and just uh in the performances in general they're they're very watchable <laughs> you know if you <laughs> if you just if you go back and you you see him performing the way that that he performs in 8H because the cameras are very close and it's, it's sort of an intimate framing and there's just, there's a lot you can pull away and he doesn't, an, you know, an epic sweeping opus of a performance and uh, that's noteworthy. So that, that's why he made my list. Great.
2: Camera. I did
0: not include Prince. Uh, <laughs> just, I mean, he's so certainly culturally significant, but I think, I think, you know, He's 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 a little before my time, to the point that I don't necessarily think Prince on SNL when I think Prince. So,
2: makes a lot of sense. I mean, you've you've got to ultimately pick who you're in line with, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, the I think the phrase in the SNL Hall of Fame is um, somebody that has. Uh, made a a significant impact on the show has left a significant impact on the show. So if you don't feel that he's left a significant impact on the show, then he hasn't. And that's, and that's totally fine.
0: My words final. So that's
2: right. (laughs) Yours is the, what I haven't told John and Steve is yours is the actual blueprint ballot. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) Uh, all right. So next up, we've got Catherine with her next pick. What have you got?
0: Well, I'll say a moment ago, Steve said the words to me, Catherine, Mm -hmm. let me finish. (laughs) Oh, I know. I took as a personal attack because I would never interrupt someone so rudely, like my arch nemesis did to my next vote (laughs) for Miss Taylor, Allison Swift. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I didn't even think of that when I said, "Oh, that's good." Well, I did. I did.
2: I thought that's Uh, where you were going too. (laughs) listening to your show enough i sort of have a sense of who you guys are (laughs) right
0: anyone who's talked to me for more than three seconds knows that i'm a (laughs) diehard taylor swift fan it's really the snl and taylor swift are the only two things i'm interested in talking about ever (laughs) Um, match
2: made in heaven then
0: exactly so here we are where to begin with my case for taylor swift um you, you may want to start a timer because <laughs> I, so I want to start. I'll say I know this is for a musical guest, but when she hosted, it was killer. It was a great episode, but we'll put that aside and we'll talk about the fact that she's been the musical guest five times, which is a lot of times. That's right. And I think every one of her performances is to die for. But the one that we must discuss is this season when she performed the 10 minute version of her hit song all too well because i think snl doesn't just let anyone walk in and say all right i'm going to do take up 10 minutes of your airtime and they say okay but taylor swift can prince can like <laughs> that that's special and i think that that speaks to her her status in the world of pop culture and that that was just that was a moment that was so special for me because that song came out 10 years ago. And ever since it came out, we wanted to hear this extended version. And then this past year we finally got it. She performs it on SNL. It's a beautiful performance. She's got the video. She's got the leaves falling it's everything. And I just, that reminds me. And I think back to her other performances, you know, a a few seasons ago, she performed lover and she had the set with a piano and all these like letters suspended in the air around her. And I think going that extra mile in a performance and having some production quality just is what makes a great musical guest. And that's what makes it fun. Even for someone you know, on our podcast, oftentimes we'll have a musical guest on. And I'm like, well, I didn't really care for the music, but wow, the production of this was really cool. And I think that that's something that can grip, can grip, you know, every viewer, whether they like it or not, whether they like that genre or not. And, you know, I think Taylor Swift's a person that gets discounted left and right, but uh, not to spoil my other musical guest vote, but I do think that over the history of time, we will look back at Taylor Swift as like my generation's Paul McCartney, of like she's had this prolific career. Don't do that face at me, John. She's like very prolific. She's an amazing songwriter. And, and I mean, she's had a really stunning career. And I think, uh, you know, she's stopped by SNL frequently. So I think, uh, I think she can be in the Hall of Fame.
2: <laughs> yeah, she, she would be in my Hall of Fame. Uh, she's been, you know, certainly part of. You know, a big part of the show for the last 10 years. Uh, Like she's always in the, you know, in the conversation in terms of musical guests and uh performing double duty as well. You know that she, you know, she's up for it. So yeah, great pick.
0: I suspect I'm going to be alone on this one and that's okay.
2: Are you alone on this? Let's find out. It sounds as though you're alone on this. I, I
1: can't I, help. I can't help Catherine here. Maybe John can't.
3: I am going to throw a vote to Taylor Swift in solidarity with Catherine, not because she was a pick of mine, but because, like I said, I I was happy to be swayed if someone could make a compelling case. And this particular case has been made to me multiple times. And at a certain point, I just have to acquiesce and accept that if I ever want to not hear it again, I need to offer some some token. Um, But in all seriousness, yeah, of course. Uh, she's had some big moments on the show. She's been invited to participate beyond what the typical musical guest would would typically do, um, and she's had some seminal moments like like Catherine is is all geeked out about. So uh, I think I yeah I I think she can take one of my votes. I think that's that's reasonable.
0: Cool, John. I've never felt closer to you.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, magic happens in the <laughs> SNL Hall of Fame,
3: <laughs> John. You're up. All right. Let's see. What do we want to do? What do we want to do? All right. Let's talk about Phil Hartman. The show has gone through many eras and the, the eras that are considered essential viewing, um, typically have someone in the cast who is regarded as sort of the glue the Jack of all trades, the virtuoso that just the, the person that was crafted by the, the comedy gods to be like the, the perfect SNL performer. Um, I think Phil Hartman ranks among those people. He isn't the most famous person to come out of the show. Uh, he was, you know, tragically, um, you know, <laughs> ended in his prime. So who knows, you know, uh, what else we would have seen from Phil Hartman if we'd had that opportunity. Um, but what we saw from him on the show, uh, was undeniable in the subtlety he could bring to a role, the gravitas he could bring to the role, the pathos he could bring. Like he, he just had a presence and, uh, a charisma and a likability that works so well in the framework of SNL. And on top of that, he was just considered very highly by his peers as someone they could lean on someone that knew when to steal a scene and someone who knew when to, you know, pull back and let someone else shine. And just those, those heroes, those unsung heroes, sometimes that, uh, made the show great in a more subtle way. Uh, I, I think I think they deserve accolades. And I think Phil Hartman was a standout of an era full of standouts. And that's saying something.
2: Great. Yeah. Uh, Phil, Phil Hartman was my first era, probably my first favorite performer next to Dennis Miller um, uh, early on. Mm-hmm. You know, I just thought they were so cool. So uh, great pick. Mm-hmm. How about Catherine and Steve? Did uh, Phil Hartman appear on either of your ballots?
1: He is on mine. Yay. Yep. Uh, John took the word subtlety right out of my mouth. Uh, there's a, a special nuance to what he does that is under underappreciated is the word that comes to mind. I guess that is kind of true, but I think he was, you know, he was beloved on the cast, but he he didn't have to go all out to get a laugh from you. He wasn't like a Chris Kattan or a Belushi, where you know everything he did was up to a to the max. You know he d- he could get a, a a laugh from you by playing it straight. He could be a serious character and just find something in that calm energy that would make you laugh. And yeah. I mean, he could do it all. He could make you laugh. He could make you cry. Uh, I don't think there's anything that he couldn't do well that they could have thrown at him. So, John, yeah, saying that he is the glue, that makes perfect sense to me. Because, you know, he was like a Michael Jordan type. Just just pass him the ball. Get out the hell out of the way. You're going to get something.
2: I like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, this was one I was a little on the fence about, not because I think he doesn't have a great legacy, but just because again, sort of like, uh, Prince, like for me personally, like he, you know, I was a kid when he was on, but I think, I think I've been well swayed to, <laughs> to add him to my ballot because hey. like you're saying, it's, it's easy to remember and pick out the Chris Farley's and the Eddie Murphy's but someone like Phil Hartman who can, who obviously can get the laughs but is such a great utility player as well uh can can fly under your radar very easily and I think he he he's a guy that you can slot into any role or you, you could have slotted into any role and and he'll get the job done and that that's that's very valuable to a show like SNL
2: absolutely the first, uh, the first name to appear on all three ballots in a in a little while here too. So that's uh, pretty pretty impressive. We're back in sync. That's right. Now, Steve, can you keep it in sync?
1: Let's see. All I right. guess that means it's my turn.
2: That is your turn.
1: Um, I'm gonna do. Let's go for another host, singer of the B52s, John Mulaney. <laughs> That's a little joke I, I've recently learned How similar they sound Somebody sent me a video And it was It was What was it? Love Shack And they just put a picture of John Mulaney up When Fred Schneider started singing And it made me realize Okay, these guys sound exactly like It's crazy <laughs> 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 Go listen to B52s and thank you job, my It will be ruined. Uh so why <laughs> let's get to why he's on the on the list. Um Who faster has you know gotten the five timers, other than like the Buck Henry's and those kind of guys, where they would like host multiple times per season. Um uh, yeah. And so quickly did he like carve out a special version of SNL that reared its head every time he hosted, you know, there was a very undeniable uh, energy and, and sheen to every John Mulaney episode. And that's, you know, that's, that's one thing, but you could also compare it to like giving Martin Scorsese an Oscar for Whatever shitty movie he got for. What was it? The Departed, finally? The Departed. We know why he really got it. He got it for the body of work that came before. And I think I could like sneak in a vote, not only for his job being done as a host, but also the contributions he made as a writer on the show and a occasional uh, correspondent on Weekend AM or Weekend Update. <laughs> I just said my own show. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to bleed this dry i'm sure the other guys got john on on the list
2: other than tina fey and conan o'brien have any other writers come back to host hmm. like I, it's a pretty uh, it's
3: a pretty elite group well louis ck wrote
0: like very oh, story, there you go briefly yep nope you're right um but there's people that Larry David host, or did he just have some cameo?
3: He did host. He did he host it yeah. when Bernie Sanders yeah. was the, yeah. Um, so yeah, it does happen. It's, it's not, it's not a typical thing, but it it does happen, but it, it would still put him in a very elite club as well. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth uh Jamie if, uh, set me up if you want but I'll just I can just run with Absolutely. it if, if we yeah. want to talk some more John Mulaney, cuz he's on my ballot as well uh for all the same reasons as Steve I'll try to not uh restate too much um there's there's a lot of players that have come through the show that we don't always realize that they were made better because of the allies they had on the 17th floor they're like some people, they just click with certain writers and they make magic together. And one of them is not as strong as they could be without the other. And I believe John Mulaney was one of those kind of assets for some of the players at SNL. Bill Hader, not the least of, of which
1: Mulaney, At First that comes to mind.
3: Yeah. Mulaney has an incredible ability to like pick up whatever someone's throwing down, like he can get in sync with where someone's trying to go comedically and pile on and add that spice and that little bit of specificity and that just extra joke, just extra little something to turn a funny idea into magic. And, uh, as a collaborative writer and as someone that I think the show recognized uh, was going places. Uh, I think it's undeniable that John Mullaney was one of those standouts when he was there as a writer. Um, unfortunately, we're talking about him as a host, but just to <laughs> put a pin in that part of it and um, make the case for him as a host. I, I think it's really, really simple. Um, Steve said, you know, he, he was fast tracked to the five timers club, of course, because the first time he came, he pulled out stuff that he didn't have the clout to get on air that was brilliant stuff that he had written for the show. And he was able to take SNL and make it the John Mulaney comedy hour. And there's not a lot of hosts that can do that. There are some, but John Mulaney knew why he was back at the show. He knew what he wanted to accomplish. He knew how to lobby and get what he wanted through. And, and he still had enough friends at the show that it just was like, just a great coming together. And they built on that momentum and they created, um, marquee sketches that you knew had to happen when mulaney shows up. Those are all hallmarks of a standout host. So how can you not for John mulaney Here, here.
0: <laughs> for sure. Yeah. John mulaney is uh I'll make it a unanimous, another unanimous vote here. Uh you know, I think he's the biggest stand-up comic right now. He he's sold out multiple nights at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Uh that's not something I don't most stand ups will ever do. Uh you know he I did last he's, week <laughs> He's just like such a crazy success story from from writer at SNL, not cast member to failed sitcom, right? To <laughs> suddenly very popular stand-up five-time <coughs> SNL host. That's wild. Uh and you know, John, you took the words out of your mouth. I was going to go on this whole rant about Diner Lobster and how beautiful it was that it got rejected and then he brought it back uh because that's another one of my all-time favorites. Pizza Business and Diner Lobster are like my top two, and they, they volley back and forth with each other. But, you know, love them or hate them, those Mulaney musicals are part of the fabric of SNL now. You know, that that's a, it's a big thing. And like you said, his thumbprint is... A Mulaney episode is a Mulaney episode. Yeah. His thumbprint's on every little thing in there. He has such a unique voice. Um, so yeah, I, I think that makes for a really great host that We're going to keep seeing every season for a while, I think.
1: Just listen to the B-52s. It's not the most unique (laughs) voice.
3: (laughs) Wow, he brought it full circle. That's a a nice little button.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Catherine, you're up with your next pick.
0: Oh, man. All right, where to go? Where to go? Give me a second here. All right. My next pick is going to be Chris Farley. Uh, Need I say more, (laughs) you know, he is legendary. And obviously there were those breakout performances, you know, with Matt Foley, motivational speaker, we had the chip and Dale sketch, but I think his legacy bigger than that is just inspiring thousands of kids to become comedians. Uh, Imagine if if we had YouTube in the '90s, the just deluge of kids doing Matt Foley or like fat guy little coat from Tommy Boy. It, it, that's all YouTube would consist of. Uh, so like I think that is that's a heck of a legacy. And then on top of that, the representation of you know larger bodied people on TV. And I think he he created a path where you know little kids that are bigger saw. I can be on TV. I can be funny. I can get the laughs. You know, I, I I see this now for myself. And I think that's, you know, that's a big step for, you know, representation. We talk about it across all types of categories, but, um, weight is included in that. And so I think that that's just such a big influence that he had. And, uh, it, it, you can't understate the, his legacy and on the show. And, you know, unfortunately another one that was gone too soon. So we didn't get to see everything he had to offer us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, tragic. I mean, we, we, we saw him, what, like a month before he passed? Like he hosted the show? Like mm-hmm. it, was, it was, I know it was an incredibly short window. Yeah. Maybe it was a little longer than a month, but. Um, Within two, I think. Yeah, it, it, it just absolutely tragic. And uh, it was nice that we got to see him, you know, in 8-H one more time. And um, yeah, I think he'd be a welcome addition to the Hall of Fame for sure. So does he appear on any other ballots? That's what I'm curious
1: about. Yay! Yes, yeah. both. I said yes, but John not yeah. at first. So uh, you know,
3: Steve, Steve, just, go for it. I I want to sweep up because I could talk forever on on Chris Farley. So
1: ah, this is this is where things get kind of down. Mm. Um, you know, because I feel like Chris Farley is an example of how you could just suffer from your talents. I mean. <laughs> for whatever reason chris farley felt like he had nothing to offer to the world other than his 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 gift of comedy and for that reason he was never comfortable to turn it off and i can't think about how exhausting it must have been for chris farley you know who he just felt like you know people liked him for what he did as a comedian and if he, if he wasn't that for a second, then people would see something else, something they didn't want to see. And, you know, I for all the reasons to say Chris Farley believe, belongs in the Hall of Fame, for all the amazing work he does, I think he also should be in there as some kind of warning. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> I think... We've come a long way in dealing with mental health since, you know, the era of Chris Farley and, and the resources we have and just just the amount of stigma we've taken off talking about this. You know, we've come a long way and I think this is a good example of, of why we need to talk about these things. Because sometimes we bottle them up and we use our funny man persona to put a layer of dirt over it. and. Sometimes it's just too late before, you know, it catches up. <laughs> Five
2: oh minutes boy! Minutes. <laughs> oh boy! Didn't I warn you?
0: <laughs> didn't if I warn you? Layer you layer a violin yeah. under mm-hmm. that in the edit.
1: <laughs> you could just cut all this out and say, <laughs> "Just Steve put, was a wrong. Of, he put a bit of
3: canned laughter under his whole little monologue there."
1: <laughs> Yeah, really sure. screw with people. Let's put the <laughs> Betty Hill fucking music.
2: <laughs> no, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, the, I, I think w- when you were describing him being on all the time, and um, I, I just had that vision of him in the Gap Girl sketch where he's eating the French fries, and all of a sudden he's just like, I'm freaking starving! <laughs> you know, uh, like breaking character for just a... a brief second yeah you know, obviously it wasn't breaking character but he was breaking the gap girl character but i wonder if that would be like chris farley in you know in in private like i'm just like i just need a moment of just calm you know yeah oh man yeah
3: john mm-hmm.
0: he
3: He's uh, on your ballot he, too he's certainly on my ballot um if i were to sum up my path to snl it was, I came for Wayne's world. I stayed for Chris Farley. Yeah. That's, you know, I, I started watching right around 91, 92. And, uh, that was Farley in his prime. He was coming up with Spade and Sandler and, uh, they, they had set a tone for the show, uh, for better or worse. But, uh, amongst them, there was nobody just that exuded the kind of energy and fun that that he could and and that just spilled out of the screen and and it was hard to not connect with that watching it as a a young kid you know Catherine talks about representation I was a bit of a chonker doodle as a as a youngster so maybe you know maybe I saw a bit of myself in Chris Farley um so I I I would struggle to put my finger on any one thing that you know, uh, is quintessential as far as summing up Chris Farley, but uh, I just know that I connected with him and I enjoyed tuning in to find out if, you know, Matt Foley was going to give another motivational speech or whatever it was, El Nino, it, it, or it, it just, everything he did was so memorable. And uh, yeah, the best moments I had watching SNL in that era before the the big mid nineties reboot, most of the moments probably we're Chris Farley driven and, uh, I love the guy.
1: All it's right. Like chunker doodle. Is that medical terminology? It is. Yeah.
0: That is politically correct.
1: <laughs> yeah, Mr. But, Murray, you've been yeah. diagnosed with chonker doodle. <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right. Where are we on the, <laughs> we're completely off the rails. That's, that's where <laughs>
2: you've, you've thrown me off a little bit. I won't <laughs> lie to you. The chunker doodle. Anytime I nominated into,
0: Farley. So
2: anytime anybody gets into medical terminology, I mm. you know, um, John, you are up.
3: I am
0: up. Okay, let's and see. Just so
2: everybody knows, John, you are at ten. You've cast ten votes. Mm-hmm. Catherine, you've cast two, four, six, eight, nine, and Steve, you have cast eight.
1: Yep, that's what it looks like to me. Okay. Yes. So.
3: who can I make a good case for here that I got left? Well, you know what? Let's talk Maya Rudolph. I'm giving her a vote because I feel like, uh, she again is one of those people that came into the show brought so much more than we'll ever remember. And just, she was, there were episodes where she was ever present just because she, she always could carry some load. She was, I, I don't feel like she ever pigeonholed herself. And I, I think the writers quickly realized that, that they always could lean on her for pretty much anything. Um, she didn't have like a huge breakout after the show and didn't really become the household name that I was expecting her to when she left the show, she had some sitcoms like she, she worked, she developed things, she did stuff, but she didn't have, you know, that big break breakout moment. Um, so a lot like Melissa McCarthy, I just, I was always wondering like how, how do such fantastic talents not find something to, to shine with. Um, and so I, I still hold that the best stuff we've ever seen from Maya Rudolph was on SNL. I feel like she's just really, in her mode when she can put on a silly wig and just go for broke and just go over the top with it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I think that she loves the medium and I think that she's just fearless in, uh, in, in how, you know, goofy and, um, out of her own head, she's willing to get like, she's very in the moment, very quick on her feet and very versatile. And, uh, yeah, just one of those, uh, I'll, I'll use the word again, glue performers on the show that I, I just, I think she did so much in her tenure. And, uh, you know, Lauren obviously understood that. And, um, that's why, you know, she's, she's still part of the the family and why they will still try and find any reason to bring her back for a cameo or a political impression or whatever it is, you know, Maya Rudolph, she's part of the SNL stable. I think that's good.
2: Yeah, absolutely. She'd be a, a, a great representative of, of that era as well in the SNL hall of fame for sure. Does she appear on any other ballots?
3: I thought I might be alone on this one.
1: Yeah, she's not on mine. Okay. But I just want to say one thing. If you want to see what Maya... If you want to see her greatness truly at work, go check out that uh, that that sketch she did where she sings the National Anthem. Uh, I forget if she was playing a it. character or whatever, but
0: was it as Shakir? No, I don't it was know. As someone, I think.
1: But that's just a masterclass in like finding new ways of making the same thing create new laughs over and over again. Like she, I've never seen so much wrung out of, <laughs> you know, just simply singing the national anthem. It is yeah.
3: She yeah. could. She could hold. She could like just hold a, a pose long enough for it to become memorable and funny and, and draw a little bit extra out of the material. Right. Like, yeah, she had a lot of physicality and just a, a, a goofiness that would elevate material like that.
1: Yeah. And She's if it wasn't, yeah, if it wasn't a pose, it was like a, a certain ad lib, mm-hmm. but like that sketch in particular, like every little thing she does, you could see some, you know, you know, some bigger, larger than life uh, you know, diva singer doing in some way. Like it's all something you've seen in self-indulgent pop music. It's it's a masterclass, I'm telling you.
3: Yeah. There's a reason why she played Whitney Houston and Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. I, is she yeah, on Ma- your is she on your ballot, Catherine?
0: Maya was one of the ones I was a little on the fence about. I cause I think I love Maya Rudolph. I think she was a great performer. But it, when I think of that era, she's not the first person that comes to mind. I think uh, it was kind of like Phil Hartman. Very easy for her to get overshadowed by the Kristen Wiggs. Uh, so I don't know. I'm still on the fence. I, c- can I decide at the end of the show if I want to definitively give <laughs> sure. her a vote? <laughs> of course. Okay. Yeah, sure. it's,
2: it's your ballot. Yeah, Because I think
0: I have, I have like one or two more spare votes left.
3: Yeah. So that I wanna, I wanna, that I wanna totally wouldn't fly open. on our show. If you know, if you were being wishy-washy. Yeah. No,
0: I was very assertive this week, John. Mm-hmm.
3: No, that was a, that's a fun show. Not to get too far off track.
2: <laughs> okay. okay. Sorry. No. <laughs> Steve, you're up. Am I? Yeah. I'll
1: well, stop laughing like an idiot. Then <laughs> who am I going to pick? Have we done a writer in a while? been a while it's been a while okay <laughs> let's just get michael o'donohue out of the way uh michael o- O'Donoghue, i think he deserves it because out of this list who is more old school snl than michael o'donohue like he comes from the the uh the national lampoon days you know he's that's arguably the the blueprint for SNL. A lot of the talent came from there. And yeah, I mean, everything that Michael O'Donoghue did on the show is like, so much of it is, is you know, quotable, memorable stuff. Like everybody remembers that very first sketch of feeding the fingertips of the Wolverines. Everybody remembers, you know, his impression of getting shards of glass pressed into his eyes or, or whatever it was, you know. Uh you know, he he just had a very punk uh mentality and he was very much like, I'm gonna do shit my way, get these Muppets out of here. Like he <laughs> he stood his ground for his comedy. And I think he really set a precedent in those uh in those hallways to stand your ground. And yeah, I think, I think he cultivated like a whole culture just from his attitude towards comedy. Yeah.
2: I I, I think you saying, you know, the first, the first thing we see uh, on, on the, in the history of the show is Michael O'Donoghue. Now, not that that should be, you know, the, the, the ultimate argument, but like it, it goes to show he was, he was the, the first head writer, Arguably, Lauren was the first head writer, but um, like he was the first non-Lorne head writer. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, sort of a big deal, like in terms of crafting the the architecture of the show. Like this is what the show is, you know, or or can be, or might be. Anybody else have him on their
3: ballot? He wasn't on my list, but listening to you guys talk, I'm wondering if maybe I want to throw him a vote just in recognition of him being, um, sort of the figurehead of the old guard that defined the show's original sensibility. He, he, well, he brought the national lampoon basically to SNL and kind of fused, um, the, the dark satire and, um, you know, just some of the more, um, risque, less, typical for network television type of material that, that helped distinguish SNL as a little more, uh, well, a little more punk rock, I guess is maybe the, the best term. Um, and just gave them a little bit of counterculture credibility and the show needed that early on. Cause that's, you know, that's who they were courting for their audience and it resonated and people were ready for it. So Michael O'Donohue, I don't know if he was an inspired hire or an inspired writer, but you can't deny that the show is better for him having been in the mix as long as he was. Right.
2: Catherine? Uh,
0: yeah, he, he didn't make my cut for for no reason really other than he's just not my sensibility, comedy-wise. I mean, totally. I think he's left a mark on the show. That, that's definitely a fair argument. But I just... When I think of SNL, those aren't going to be my favorite sketches.
2: So. We've, we've come a long way from that sensibility, for sure. Uh, you know, like... Like, yes, we're still living in that same house, but it's been renovated immensely.
1: <laughs> Catherine will write for felt. She she will do it.
0: I will. Mm-hmm. And now my dog's going to squeak her toy for five minutes.
1: <laughs> Speaking of Muppets, we
0: can what? play with Dragon later. <laughs> <clears throat> um, Catherine, you're next. Oh, shoot. Alright. We're getting down to the, the nitty gritty yeah, here. Yeah, we're in the nitty
2: gritty here, folks.
0: Ooh, let's see. Oh my god, she's, now she's picked a new toy. <laughs> Hold on. What the fuck? It's a different dinosaur. <laughs> Jeez. Uh,
1: <laughs> no wonder they're extinct. My husband
0: left town today. Usually he um, handles all the pets during recordings. Um, Alright. give you a clean cut there. <clears throat> Hmm. All right. I think, I think I'm going to give my next one. We're going to go to another host. I'm going to go Justin Timberlake. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, he was just so huge there for a while. You know, obviously I grew up with NSYNC. Uh, so the mark that Justin Timberlake had on my childhood was, I, you know, I memorized all the dance moves. I was performing these things in the living room. Uh, but then, you know, he went solo and then he had a great solo career. And then he just like merged into this acting world and like doing SNL all the time, being being pals with Jimmy Fallon and being pals with Andy Samberg. And it, it's almost to the point where those friendships cement him in because thinking about Andy Samberg gets so entwined with just, Justin Timberlake that he's just part of that conversation largely because dick in a box which Mm. has to be one of the most well-known snl songs of all time Um, that again that was that era like i talked about with the lonely island that brought snl to you know my people my age and Dick in a Box was a big one. (laughs) And so it's silly, it's stupid, but it still holds up to this day. It is still funny. And Justin Timberlake really just performed the heck out of it. And then he has many other, you know, uh, Timberlake sketches, you know, bring it on down to Homelessville, all those things. So (laughs) I I think Timberlake
2: gets in. I mean, he was an enormous part of the show for quite some time, Mm -hmm. really, wasn't he? Like, it it just seems strange that. when that generation, when that cast left, he sort of didn't overlap. Yeah, he, <laughs> he didn't He didn't do what a lot of, you know, like the, your Steve Martins do and, you know, come back and work with an, you know, work with an entirely new group of people. Now, that's not to say that he's not, you know, destined to come back because I'm sure that would be a big deal. But uh, yeah, probably not. Quite as big a deal as it once was because it was so enormous at one time. Did he appear on Steve
3: or John's ballot? Mm-hmm. John, you're saying yes. I am. But I, I just always want to give Steve the, the next shot at getting a few blows in before we. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll go first. I mean, he's up on two. So uh, oh, we wow, can talk okay. about that. Another triumvirate there. Woohoo! You know what? Here's what Justin does. He comes on SNL and he says, Hey guys, I'm going to make y'all forget what I'm actually famous for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, he has no business being this good at sketch comedy. I guess it's the Mickey Mouse Club in him. Uh, but yeah, like you take uh, a member of Ed Sync, you know, you give him a couple of years of a solo career, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he's getting like big laughs on SNL. Uh, blending in, you know, almost as a cast member uh, I say almost because he's still too suave and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and polished uh, You know, uh, but, you know, he he's definitely one of these Taylor Swift types Where there's just a strong friendship And yeah, it may be contained within a certain era of SNL But hey, I mean, when was the last time Alec Baldwin hosts? hosted these things slow down and you know i'm sure jimmy fallon is going to be hosting again soon if justin timberlake doesn't beat him to it we'll probably see him on the show for that Mm -hmm. just a little prediction
2: all
3: right uh and john you want to clean it up yeah it's interesting for a long time after Lauren Michaels came back in the, the mid eighties, the show mined the original friends of the show as repeat hosts and, you know, the five timers and all that kind of stuff. Um, there was an era of annual hosts that the show had, uh, that led right up into the mid nineties where you just, you knew you were going to see Tom Hanks every year or two, at least. Um, And Steve Martin was still in the fold and Alec Baldwin, you know, came up in that era. So there was an era in the late eighties, early nineties, where they kind of established all their go-to friends of the show that carried through, uh, to the two thousands, but they kind of petered out in the late nineties. The show wasn't like grooming new friends of the show, or it just wasn't an era that was like producing a lot of friends of the show that endured the same way that the Tom Hanks and the Alec Baldwin's and the Steve Martin's did and the John Goodman's and so many more, we just didn't have that same kind of, uh, kind of like whatever the, the, the graduates come back to hang out again, kind of thing that, that happened, uh, in the mid nineties as, as the show built that momentum and that, that, that bigger tent. Um, so it's, it's interesting going into the two thousands, that just wasn't what I remembered the show being, you know, I wasn't tuning in to see which friend of the show was going to pop in week over week. Cause it, it, it felt like it was such a new class when they rebuilt the show in the late nineties, that, uh, they're just, uh, it just wasn't, it just wasn't what the show was all about. But then slowly over time, these weird moments happen where just someone that is so good and so tuned into what SNL can do, uh, they just come in and they dominate and they just show that they're that triple threat and that they're, They're just, they just gel so well with the production. Um, And Justin Timberlake was kind of like the first big one in a long time. At least that's my recollection of, of watching the show at that time. And it was just fun to see like an A-list top tier celebrity just come and get raunchy and goofy and stupid with Andy Samberg. And, and, you know, like there was just something, uh, a lot of fun, uh, about what he brought. And it just wasn't the norm at the time, which I think makes it a little more special. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah.
2: Now, where are we in the circle? Uh, That was Catherine's, right? That was Catherine's pick. Justin Mm -hmm. Timberlake. Okay, John, you're up.
3: Um, There's no way Dan Aykroyd's not getting in, but I want to be able to say I voted for him when. Um, (laughs) The guy that you had on your cast to make the case for Dan Aykroyd was uh, just so dialed in on on who Dan Aykroyd is and and his life and the path that he led and why it's so exceptional that I, I think the best thing I can offer here is to tell people to go listen to that episode. Cause I, I had a lot of fun listening to it, but what I can say over and above what, what's already been said is that Dan Aykroyd is probably the reason why I ever sought out SNL at all. And that's because he uh, created and wrote Ghostbusters along with Harold Ramis, So, um, that was kind of my introduction to like where all these people coming from and then finding SCTV and then finding Saturday night live and just understanding the, yeah, just understanding that world a little more all resulted effectively because Dan Aykroyd just has the weirdest way of looking at the world. And occasionally, you know, it sparks brilliance, um, with Ghostbusters, it was just because he had such a, an odd fascination with those kind of topics that he was just the the right person to be able to write that kind of stuff um because of his family history with SNL it was because he was he was so um he he was more of a renegade than i think people gave him credit for it in his willingness to just like get out of his head and just like pick up the baton and run with it and just like do the job uh and and he he he, again, uh I, I hate to beat a dead horse. He was a glue player in his era because he was so versatile. What? Speaking of dead horses. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> like a dark. Um, just, I don't think the first five years would be what they are if if he wasn't doing the heavy lifting in so many sketches. He was so multifaceted, so um, quick witted and quick with his tongue. Like listen to the runs of dialogue that he could deliver flawlessly on live TV, you know, like in the moment, like he rarely flubbed a line. And if he did, he was still a total pro and he just could chew through the densest, most convoluted dialogue and present it with panache. And he just, I don't know. he, He was well suited for those first five years. And, you see so much of his brilliance when you go back and rewatch them without uh, like in the seventies, you were probably tuning in for your player, uh, your favorite player, your Belushi or your Chevy chase or whatever. But if you just go back and just see how much Dan Aykroyd pops up and what exceptional work he's always doing. um, uh, It's just, it's undeniable. He's, he's in, if he's not in, I, I renounce my seat on the whatever (laughs) committee. (laughs) Don't do that.
2: Well, um <laughs> He's gonna put well, his shoes back on. Well let's see if he let's see if he can get two thirds of the votes on this panel. Uh hmm. Catherine and Steve, do either of you have
1: Dan Aykroyd on your ballot?
0: Of course. Steve, no?
1: <gasps> oh no. Everybody's really? saying, Oh of course, you're an idiot if you don't put Dan Aykroyd out there. You gotta
3: you gotta represent Canada, man. Oh,
1: well, you know, <laughs> His best work was that part of our heritage commercial he did. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Not a Dan Aykroyd sh- guy. What was
2: that? Not a Dan Aykroyd guy?
1: I mean, I am a Dan Aykroyd guy. Like, Bassmatic. I mean, that's... Sure. That's. I think John had that in his mind when he was talking about how well he can mm-hmm. uh, chew through that dialogue. I mean... If I had more votes, I'm sure Dan Aykroyd would have gotten one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't give it to him because I feel like I would have to, like, go through the entire original cast and and vote for them all. Uh, I, I had to draw the line somewhere. I mean, he was definitely one of the best. Uh, I, I guess I didn't have the same history that someone like John had, where, like, it opened up this whole world of comedy to him. Like that—that that sounds like a much more meaningful connection to have with the guy than I've ever had. I mean, I've been a fan of his work, but like, hey man, there's been a lot of cast members. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's been a, a lot. Yes. Don't apologize. just because he's original. Yeah, don't I,
2: apologize at all. You get to carve out you your Sean. own. You get to carve out your own nominations here for sure. All right, all right. but Captain's not wrong you. either. You you could apologize a little bit, maybe. you know he is canadian no i'm joking uh catherine (laughs)
0: sorry anything to add sorry eh? no i I just think i think uh any of the original cast have to be in the hall of fame i think that's that that's a shoe in i mean i I, that's just i don't know It's the opposite. (laughs) yeah i mean you could feel differently but i think you know to me, it's just that's the core of the show. They made the show. There is there is no discussion of SNL without a, without the original cast being included in that. So, I mean, that... And obviously, he's a great performer. But to me, the biggest thing was, yeah, or, original cast member, of course. Of course. Sure. For sure. Of course.
2: Yeah. Unless Please stop saying of
0: course. <laughs> of course not,
2: you know. Catherine, who else, of course, do you have on your ballot? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I don't.
0: on that on that same vein gilda Radner, uh basically same reason i think original cast has to be on there and of course she i i would identify gilda as being more to me just an amazing uh, dan akward's a great performer but gilda is like a stunning just amazing like once in a generation talent she was a Um, superstar
2: on the show for sure Mm
0: -hmm. and and like I said, there's there's just no discussion without those original cast members. So that's why Steve has now left this meeting.
1: Um. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm no longer here.
2: Oh, and I went out of order too. Shoot, Steve, you were next. Oh no. Oh, oh well, the, we'll continue this conversation that, about that's Gilda. He doesn't the hits were there?
1: The hits were there that I was gone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot. Um, we'll continue this conversation with Gilda. Did either Steve or John have Gilda on on their ballots?
3: She is on my list.
1: Of course I did (laughs) Original cast, you have to You have to (laughs) You are literally a Hitler if you don't put Original cast members (laughs) On the ballot Would you like me to go since I was supposed to go? (laughs) Sure What I will say uh, I just I just feel like Gilda Was The first cast member That kind of transcended the screen And felt like your friend I felt like I wanted to eat ice cream on the couch With Gilda You know that uh, Something about her is so infectious And like you just want to pinch her cheeks And I don't know I think she's probably the first Cast member of SNL That I've ever called a genius I think we were watching like The best of Gilda or something and, you know, just, just her way of, of looking at things and, and just, just her character work and, and everything she brought to the show was just so, it was so wonderfully her. And, uh, you know, obviously we lost her too soon to cancer and, For sure, and, uh, that's, that's a big bummer. Uh, but Hey, boy, did she ever leave a mark while she was here. Absolutely,
2: yeah. I I feel like, and one of you guys can jump in and correct me, but like Rosanna Rosanna Dana has got to be one of the first recurring characters, like to appear on the show.
3: Yeah, Emily Latella was before Rosanna Rosanna Dana.
2: Oh, okay. But all right, Gilda yeah. still Gilda. <laughs> yeah, either way, <laughs> still yeah. Gilda. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. the Viola's lady, the right? He said one of the first, sure, which still stands. <laughs> yeah, thanks,
2: Catherine.
1: But I think, yeah, I think. You know, that example there is a testament to, you know, what she brought to the show. Stuff so yeah. good that they had to bring it back.
2: Yeah, you wanted to see it again.
1: Yeah.
3: So, um, John, she's in your ballot as well? She is. Um, for all the same reasons. I, I think the first time I watched the, the first five years to try and really <laughs> absorb it and, and just kind of try and figure out how I would have felt if I was watching this back in the seventies, just try and take it on its terms. I don't think I quite connected with Gilda. Like I knew that she was a fan favorite and I knew that she was just beloved for some reason. I I just, I couldn't really see it too obviously until I realized that it, not everyone watches SNL for the punchline. Some people watch it because there's just something magic about certain people on screen. There's just something that, uh, uh, uh an energy, uh, just a charm, something just intrinsically funny about the way that they see the world and can feed that back through the screen. And, uh, I may have been late to the Gilda party, but now I watch the first five seasons in many ways, just, just to see what Gilda doing and just see how she's gonna just, Turn her head and be doe-eyed in one moment, and totally manic the next. And just realize that, she, uh, just as a as a performer who was just willing to like leave it all on the stage, uh, I feel like y- y- you just you you see this infectious energy that she she gives very generously I- in her performances, and and I do love tuning in and watching that for sure.
2: Yeah, uh, one of a kind for sure. Mm-hmm so, Steve, we'll get back to you now. Who do you uh, who would you like to add?
1: Uh, okay. <laughs>
2: or who are you voting for? I should say
1: to keep the, you know. Well, let's get through this one. I put down Jim Downey. All right. Um, I just feel like, you know, his work on Weekend Update, uh. Uh, you know that's, that's some of the best stuff That he did with Norm And he's had such an interesting History with the show like If you don't know him from his time writing you might know him As a cast member or you might know him As that old guy that uh <laughs> Jonah Hill Made out with uh, <laughs> He's had such A long tenure with the show and it's been Super rocky Uh I just think Jim's uh, Relationship with the show uh just like it's it's a good example of just how crazy it is to be in snow show business and like how fickle and, and bipolar it can be uh yeah i mean he gets uh he gets a lot of flack for some conservative opinions but like you know i mean he used it to challenge and absolutely yeah i i think it's it's a. Uh, Definitely, a, a, it brings a balance, or a, it brought a balance uh, to the show when he was there. It's it's hard to deny that, you know, Jim Daddy was, you know, a huge influence on the show.
2: I mean, he had to have been. He was there for, what, 25 plus years, right? 30 right. plus years. So, uh, certainly left a mark, you know? Absolutely. Catherine and John. Do we have Jim Downey appearing on your ballots?
3: He's not on my list, but uh, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking about reconsidering it, but I think I might actually be almost out of votes. So (laughs) unfortunately, I can't uh, can't throw one Jim's way tonight. Yeah, you got one left. Yeah, and I got one more selection, so I gotta I can't give it away. How about you, Kathy? You
0: heard it here, folks. For you heard it here first, folks. John likes Taylor Swift more than Jim Downey, (laughs) and that's that.
3: (laughs) I just lost all my (laughs) SNL cred.
0: Uh, I do not have Jim Downey either.
1: All right. Steve, you're Had a alone. Feeling. Sorry. <laughs> I don't okay. pick Dan Agroyd, but I pick Jim Downey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, these guys are going to have words with me after this.
2: So I went to Catherine before, and you gave us Gilda. Um, so we'll now go back in correct order here, and we'll go to
3: John. Okay. For your last so, pick. Yes. If my math is correct, this is my last inductee. I want to make the case for John Goodman or not make the case, but just throw my weight behind him because, um,
0: your chunker doodle (laughs) weight.
3: Yeah. Again, it's all about (laughs) representation. Um, no, uh, I, I think with John Goodman, there's, there's two things that draw me to him. First off, I enjoyed Roseanne back in the day. So, he was, you know, a household name. He was someone that I, when I was watching SNL, he wasn't some esoteric host that I had no idea who they were, or why they were on the show. Uh, I knew John Goodman. I liked John Goodman. So that personal biases aside, though, um, he is just someone that uh, in a different uh, reality in the metaverse, what what is it? The multiverse, the multiverse uh, <laughs> in some other version of, of reality, John Goodman would have been on snl uh he was in the running at one point he's an excellent in the moment performer and the second he had a chance to actually come on and and uh spend a week with the production they they knew i I think they knew you know that maybe they'd you know blown the hire but uh they knew that he was someone that they wanted to have back and uh you know he's what did he do like 11 or 12 in the course of 11 or 12 years, something like that. He was yeah. one of those annual hosts for however Absolutely, long. Yeah. Uh, and he still comes back, you know, he, they, you got a Trump impression. We can, we can, uh, you know, count on John Goodman. He's just one of those people that gets the show. He's great in the moment. He's, he's good under pressure. He's, uh, he's willing to be in the moment and, and be a, a great, uh, live performer, which is a, a you know, and a, a talent in and of itself. So he just, he really works well with SNL and uh, he turned in a lot of great shows over the years.
2: But is he on the other ballots? That's the question we need to know now. Steve, is he on yours?
1: Yes. Oh, nice. I didn't he think I is on mine. Uh, I feel like you could just edit the word John Goodman over... Steve Martin and just replay what I said about Steve Martin and it'll all oh, apply <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know I really think that John Goodman fit fit in as a pass, <laughs> cast member uh, yeah he's just one of those guys where like you start looking at like greatest hits and he's showing up as a key player in these you know we think about the the Bears uh, you know oh, right Uh I even think of stuff like when he played Linda Tripp, you know, there's there's so much good stuff he's done on the show. And you know, I won't repeat all the stuff John said, uh, because that was all true too. Uh that's not why I'll I'll repeat it. Won't repeat. It. I won't repeat <laughs> it to take up too much time in a podcast. So I'll I'll just stop talking now before I go on too long. Again.
0: Catherine? <laughs> He, he didn't make the cut for me. Uh, no. Uh, and it, it might be another one of those things where, you know, he was really popular there for a while, but it was b- just before my time. Uh, but he's, I mean, he's definitely a great performer, but yeah, he just didn't didn't quite get over the line for me.
2: Who did get over the line for you? Let's hear it. Let's hear who you've got.
0: Oh, are we back to
2: me now? Just give it Well, John's, g- Steve's only got one more. Steve's at 14.
1: Okay. What? I thought I, I had two. I've got 14.
2: I got 14 for you. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, I got 14 for you.
1: Okay, how did this happen? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, <laughs> eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I got 15 here, and I still had so got- more McDonald and Paul McCartney to go.
2: Did you add one? Did you. Um- you may have added one. I, I, I don't know. But I've got Who you. Who do you have Lonely, there? Just
1: read the list I've got to
2: Lonely me. Island, Tina Fey, Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, Prince, Phil Hartman, John Mulaney, Chris Farley, Maya Rudolph, Michael O'Donoghue, Justin Timberlake. I didn't, have
1: my, I didn't have Maya Rudolph. Okay. I made that mistake. Sorry then.
2: Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so we'll just take this from the top. Okay. Um, Sorry. I won't include all that riveting. <laughs> <laughs> Read me your notes. <laughs> all right, so Steve, you are up next then with your next pick.
1: Ah, uh, yes, I'll give you another. I'll uh, I'll I'll finish off my musical guest uh, entries. Paul McCartney. All right. Let's
2: hear what you have you to know, say about Mister McCartney.
1: I just feel like he makes the cut for arguments that you might have heard from Catherine about uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, wait, did not you even say like she's the the Paul McCartney? My generation's
0: <laughs> yeah. Paul McCartney. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I did, did make yeah. that leap.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, that's pretty much it. He uh, he's he a goddamn beetle. Yeah, he's a goddamn <laughs> beetle. I mean, we can all think of that famous sketch uh, that Lorne did. Offering them money. I think there's even a rumor about them almost showing up for it. But, I mean, how many times uh, has he just waltzed on for a cameo for whatever reason? I feel like every couple of years I'm seeing him on the show. And that's like besides musical performances. Yeah, Uh,
2: sort of is there.
1: Yeah, he's one of the few uh, musical guests I can think of that got three... Uh, songs Three different uh, Musical breaks on a, on a Christmas episode I believe And uh, Yeah I mean his His friendship with 30 Rock It bleeds over to literally the show 30 Rock uh, mm-hmm. And other things so even people that Work within the SNL sphere they They still They still want to work with Paul McCartney After that experience so I mean not only has he been Such a big presence on the show It seems like he's well liked Behind the scenes as well Seems that
2: way Yeah, friend yeah. of the show for sure Friend of friend of Lorne uh, uh, And friend of the show for sure That's
1: what it is, right? It's friend of Lorne Because yeah. I know people who worked on the show don't say nice things about Paul Simon But how many times has Paul Simon been on the show? <laughs> so <laughs>
2: <laughs> Catherine, I, I believe you made mention of Paul McCartney in a in a couple different ways. You you made mention of the fact that the Taylor Swift, uh, mm-hmm. the generation Taylor Swift comment, and am I led to believe that he's also on your list then as well?
0: He is. You are correct. Uh-huh. I alluded to it a bit in my Taylor Swift manifesto, uh, <laughs> and. I mean, do you even have to justify Paul McCartney? He's freaking Paul McCartney, you know. Uh, he's a Beatle. He's an amazing musician. And like Steve, you know, mentioned that he's an integral part of the lore of SNL. That Absolutely. famous story of Lauren asked them to come on and he was with John and they thought about actually doing it, which <laughs> may or may not be true. Uh, but that's the story as they told it originally. And that just gets passed down. And that, that's part of like... You hear that story in regards to what makes SNL magical because it's live. It's happening. You can drive down the street and pop in if you're somebody like Paul McCartney. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I think, you know, he, he, he's a shoe in
2: Great. All right. So we're right back to you again then with your next pick.
0: Well, John, did you have Paul McCartney? Did we skip? Okay. No, I'm all tapped out. He's
3: tapped um, oh, you're tapped I, out. That's I right. considered it because I think he's an obvious person to nominate. I just didn't have anything particularly clever to say. So I just, I stuck with the people that I thought maybe I could be a little more passionate about. But obviously, yeah. Paul McCartney, like, of course, he has to be a, a first round uh, pick. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of
0: course. Except for the fact he's not. <laughs> Except
2: if, Well, I just think he's... He's on two thirds of the panel's ballot. So I, I
3: just, I feel like he doesn't need my help. He's Paul McCartney. He's a yeah. freaking beetle. He's probably getting it.
1: Yeah. I just hope not too many people think that. <laughs> That's true. <Yeah. laughs> he's fine. I don't have to vote for him.
3: Oh, yeah. But you know what? I think he's going to pull through. I don't think he's really like hanging his hat on whether he, you know, whether, whether we cast our vote for him. Uh, he's doing okay for himself. I hear.
1: Oh yeah. Ever since Kanye West gave him that big break.
3: Mm-hmm. Not so bad. <laughs> All right, Catherine.
2: You've got a couple left, I believe. Uh, who you? Or no? Maybe you don't, because you had twelve initially. You're at thirteen. I think so, she had a couple along the way, you've added a couple along the way. So I don't know how many you have left, and you still have left us lingering on Maya Rudolph as well.
0: Yeah i, I I've tapped out my original list. Okay. And then we we added Hartman, and uh, and so I that makes thirteen. You said. Yep. All right. I'll throw Maya in. All right. She can thank me later.
2: <laughs> want fries with that? <laughs> All right. So that uh, brings us to Steve with his last pick then, I believe. And he's already told me who it is, but uh, I'm really excited to hear what uh, what he's got to say about this
1: <laughs> performer. <laughs> All oh, right. <laughs> this guy doesn't play pretend. I've heard this. <laughs> he doesn't pretend he's hearing it for the first time. I respect that. Uh, I'm going to go with Norm MacDonald, because apparently I'm just voting for all cast members who've passed away. <laughs> uh, watch out, Eddie Murphy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Norm McDonald. What can I say? It's, uh, I mean, he was. He was uh one of my favorite weekend update hosts um I mean he was uh amazing as Bob dole uh just going back and and watching you know stuff from his era like uh, he's he's known so well for being weekend update that it's easy to forget like how much other stuff he did in yes. sketches yes you know he he wasn't like a Dennis Miller or a, a Tina Fey. Like, you know, he had a lot of screen time on SNL and all of it was just gold. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he was one of those guys who just did not give a hoot. And I mean, he, he was a brilliant guy. Like everybody says, you know, people who have worked with thousands of comedic voices say, you know, Norm Macdonald is one of the smartest guys I've ever worked with. And uh, yeah, I mean, Think, think of th- think of the stuff that we talk about. Like, how many people don't realize that he is the guy who created Celebrity Jeopardy? I mean, everybody loves that, but I don't think they realize that that came from Norm. And just yeah. like a million examples like that of, of, you know, what he contributed to the show. I mean, we're all so aware of the obvious ones, and we love him so much for that. But then you go and add all the less obvious stuff on top of that, it's like the dude killed it on that show and even with it being cut short for some stupid firing you know what he did on that show and then to host like within the year of that come on <laughs>
2: yes it's how it's am i so goddamn funny <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: oh boy yeah i'm a big norm Stan for sure and uh You know, I I think you're right, Steve. You you often forget like that body of work, like the impressions. Like he's got a handful of impressions that were like really fun impressions. His (laughs) Quentin Tarantino was great. His Bob Dole was great. Uh, Letterman. His Letterman was funny. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah, some really good stuff. So, Norm McDonald.
0: I'll say, all right. I have I have one technically one vote left. You do, mm. yes. And and th- this is my wild card vote because there were a few people that I wrote down with question marks. Like these are the two I'm interested to see what cases other people make for them. And those two were Molly Shannon and Norm Macdonald. Ah. Oh. And here I stand, still undecided.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh come on.
0: Because I think. Whew, Molly Shannon's great but uh, Steve I think you're right at the end of the day for a very casual SNL viewer if you ask them what their favorite sketch is it's most likely Celebrity Jeopardy yes and I think I mean that can be a period the end of conversation but then when there's a million other things you can tack on so put put my 15th vote down <laughs> for Norm hey <laughs>
3: Well, I'm glad done. he got some love because he was, uh, I batted him around too. I just, again, I just didn't feel like I could make the the stronger case, but hey, you guys roast the occasion. That's great.
0: You, you just felt like Taylor Swift is more talented. And that's fair. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. You're not going to let that I'm going to make you regret it. <laughs> is it too late to pull back a vote? Can we do that? No.
2: no. <laughs> yes, it is. Just
1: think about how funny Norm MacDonald would find that. <laughs>
3: yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. He would. That's great.
2: Well... I really want to thank you for doing this. We've got some uh, food for thought here for anybody listening in who has yet to vote. You've got until May 20th. And um, I think that's important to know. Uh, If you've already voted, I want to thank you very much. Please tell your friends and uh, relatives and family and uh, everybody else you need to tell. Anyway, gang, I want to thank you very much.
1: I had a yeah, great time on. myself. Thanks.
2: yeah Ba-na-na-na-ow. Thanks a lot, band <laughs> who are so timely, you know, they know exactly when to come in, just when the show ends. Bam, they start and it's just wonderful. So thanks, band. Uh, hey, listen, I really also want to thank John Murray, Catherine Coleman, Steve Finn for joining myself today in the pundit roundtable number two. Uh, if you like what they had to say, check them out at SNL Podcast. Or the SNL After Party, you can put that into the Google machine. And it should turn up a number of uh, suggestions, all of which should lead you to their website where you can enjoy their wonderful content. Anyway, um, that's what I've got for you this week. Uh, If you haven't voted, please, www.snlhof.com. Click on the Vote tab. And there's a button, there's just a big button on the vote tab. All you have to do is push that button and then boom, you get to vote. That's it. That's all there is to it. At the end of the day, we tabulate those votes and I will tell you what's what on May 22nd. It's going to be spectacular. Anyway, that's what I've got for you. I said anyway, that's what I got for you now three times. (laughs) What I'd really like you to do, though, is on your way out, turn off the lights, because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the
1: SNL Hall of Fame podcast. You can find everything you need to know about the show at SNLHOF.com. Don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcast. This is Doug Danant saying, This is Doug Danant saying, See you next month in the hall. That's some such.